Hello everyone, I'm your host, Kaya May, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Growing the Game podcast. Today's episode focuses on women's involvement within hockey, featuring an interview with the amazing Rachel Dory. Hope you enjoy! Before we get into today's interview segment, I'm going to highlight an interesting story in the history of women in hockey. The first woman to have her name on the Stanley Cup was Marguerite Norris, the first female chief executive in league history. She assumed the position of president of the Detroit Red Wings after the former owner, her father James Norris, passed away in 1952, leaving shares of the team ownership to her and her brother Bruce. Shortly after her takeover, reports came out that the arena seemed cleaner, it was freshly painted, and a safety screen was put in place to protect the audience from pucks flying off the ice. You know, because that's pretty important to have. Norris also advocated for arenas to be more inclusive to female fans, something that is still being worked on today, and for all farm teams to be equally treated uh, throughout the early systems in the 1950s. She did face a bit of discrimination. It was the 1950s, and it was the NHL. Um, The notable bad guy, Con Smythe, uh, forbade Norris from sitting on the NHL Board of Governors. She did secretly vote, though, through the Red Wings GM, Jack Adams, uh, using hand gestures during meetings. So, a little fun fact. Jack Adams was also not happy about answering to a woman in her 20s who was over 30 years younger than him. He reportedly called her Deary. Yikes. Marguerite, even though she helped lead the Detroit Red Wings to a Stanley Cup in 1954 and 1955, she was eventually ousted by her brother Bruce in 1955, shortly after the Cup win by him buying her shares of the team. He then owned the team until 1982. The Detroit Red Wings did not win another Stanley Cup until 1997. Since then, there have been 17 more women to have their name engraved on men's hockey's most coveted trophy. Still took until 1989 for the second, with Sonia Skirfield being engraved when the Calgary Flames, which she was a part owner of, won. Now, on to the interview. Hello, I am here with Rachel Dory, and we are discussing... Um, our experiences within the hockey world, uh, specifically Rachel, who has worked extensively throughout uh, hockey. Um, would you like to speak on what you've been involved with um, for listeners who may not know? First of all, my experiences in hockey have been nothing but fantastic. I have no complaints. <laughs> that is sarcasm. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've been involved in hockey for uh, a really long time. Um, since I was young, um, I've always been interested in statistics and I took every math course available to me, uh, at, at school, um, cause that's not nerdy at all. Um, <laughs> love to take extra math and science courses. Um, and then I went to university for sports business, um, and worked for the Sudbury Wolves while I was there as their video coach. And that was kind of my first really like hands-on experience with analytics, which is, um, sort of my foray into hockey, generally speaking. Um, and so I did that for two years uh, while I, I did school. Um, and that was super fun because I got to learn a lot of things. I got to see junior hockey um, and, and kind of how it's different um, from from the NHL and 
and then um, I've done some some writing in hockey, ma- mostly from an analytics perspective. Um, I've tried to use video in there. I'm bridging the gap type of type of thing so that people um, can understand where I'm coming from from a numbers perspective, but also get that video analysis. Um, and then I worked for the New Jersey Devils for a year and a half. Um, that was fun because we made the playoffs um, and Taylor won the Hart Trophy. Uh, so that was super fun to be uh, part of like a, a team that was having a, a really successful year. Um, and I worked with, with some great people there, um, people who I still keep in touch with. Um, so that was fun. And, and then I, I had decided kind of while I was working there that I was going to pursue a master's. Um, and so I ended up coming back home and, and, and doing a master's of sports science and analytics, um, because apparently I didn't get enough school. Um, and while I did that, I was, um, the director of advanced performance slash assistant coach for both the men's and women's hockey programs at the school. Um, that was three years. So that was, I got to see people come through the program. Um, a bunch of them just graduated this year actually. And, um, showing up for their grad night after seeing them kind of come in all fresh faced was, it made me kind of feel old. I'm not going to lie. Um, (laughs) even though I'm only like two years older than some of them, it it was still like, Oh wow, this is kind of weird. Um, and some of them are playing professionally now. And so, so that's really cool to see. Um, and then I, uh, while I was finishing, um, school, I worked at the bank as well at head office and analytics. That's not really all that fun though. Um, <laughs> unless you want to hear about me dealing with like the government, that's, it's not really all that fun. Um, and then the Vancouver Canucks hired me and, um, that was cool for a bit. Um, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I, I did meet some pretty awesome people there that I also still keep in touch with. And um, there are definitely some players that I, I'm actively rooting for still because I think they're really great people. Um, people in the organization I still root for because I think they're really great people. Um, but at the end of the day, like, wasn't the experience that I really wanted, needed, or was healthy for me um and so uh, now i i have another job but i'm not allowed to say what it is um and that's probably for the best because i think if people found out what my job was they'd probably send a bunch of angry letters to that particular company so yeah (laughs) yeah uh don't you just uh how i love being a woman um (laughs) Love to be a woman. Yes, whatever that TikTok audio is. I think it's from, like, the Anne of Green Gables show that was on CBC for a bit. Um, I use I use the Shit's Creek audio, specifically, like, the David Rose one. I probably have watched that show start to finish a solid, like, six times. I just I'm, love it. And I use David Rose's lines on a near-daily basis in my uh, life. Yeah, that's, that's valid. I... I personally couldn't really get into it i don't know what it was um but i my mom was really into it so like i i i know the shit's creek everything but i didn't watch it personally but i do think it's quite funny so i don't blame you for you know all the shit's creek isms i guess you could say um, yeah, like I I use the gifts on online all the oh, time. <laughs> they have the best gifts. Like why are they all they're always there. Um yeah. uh Thank you for explaining before getting into Shit's Creek. Uh, thank you for giving some background. Um, now, 
you mentioned you worked in the NHL and you've also been involved. You were involved with the CWHL. I remember correctly. Um, so that was the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Not exactly a thing anymore, but um, the women's game is kind of always shifting for the moment. Um, currently, there's like the two leagues in North America. It's the PHF, the Pre- Premier Hockey Federation, and then the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Um so one kind of has like regional teams and the other has like sponsored teams and they're trying to make it work with um different uh like some players go between leagues some players like have kind of defected it's it's the way i see it right now i see i don't follow wrestling but i see it between like wwe and aew but it's like completely different from that situation i understand but that's how i'm understanding it because of like how people will leave one league and then go to another yeah like uh, i worked uh for the cwhl sorry um i was actually there when the nwhl was announced Mm. um that was an interesting day at the office uh (laughs) to say the very least um and so it was interesting. It was kind of an interesting time to be a part of it because that was sort of when the entire landscape changed. And um, from a business perspective, uh, I had my doubts. Um, I still do about the viability of that league, um, just in how they go about things. I mean, I look at it purely from a, a critical standpoint of a, having a sports business degree. Um, we're trained to look at these kind of things with a critical eye. And I think that they've done a really good job of, of trying to move it into a more sustainable direction. Um, but there's still things that are problematic in my eyes from a business perspective. Um, and then you had the CWHL, which obviously was running for, for quite some time. And, and um, I would say that I know why they ultimately decided to shut it down. It's also not my place to say why. Um, but what I will say is I, I have to commend Brenda Andrus for, for the decision that she made because every decision that Brenda made at the CWHL was with for the best interest of the players and for the women's game as a whole. Um, and so I think you could probably guess why she shut it down. Um, but honestly like working there kind of gave me a lens into into how women's hockey works and and the support that they do and don't get um and ways that the nhl could help um and it was interesting to see people like brian burke and cassie campbell pascal and graham rooston and and these people types of people who are are good good people like involved um and they're allies to the women's game and and i think that that's very important and brian burke has continued that whether he's been in calgary or in pittsburgh and i think that speaks volumes about him and his character um and so for me uh, um seeing the ph yeah P- pwhpa man there's so many acronyms now whether it's like like the writing association or the yeah, players association it's, like it's, my brain very hurts. similar yeah it hurts um but i agreed that there needed to be a sustainable like there needs to be a place for um players to play after college and also for the women who have the privilege of playing on the national team like there needs to be a league for them to play in 
so that they can continue to get better and continue to develop. And, and then you see players from overseas coming over. And, and I think that that's only going to start to, to grow the game. Um, so that Canada and the U S aren't always so dominant because I don't, as much as I'm Canadian, like, I don't think it's very good. Um, right. You, you look at the men's game and on any given day, Sweden, Russia, Finland, Canada, the U S like, it's a pretty competitive situation there. And so um, I would like to get to the point where there are maybe three or four teams in the women's game that are pretty competitive. And um, I don't go into every tournament knowing that the final is going to be Canada and U.S. And so uh, for me, for that to happen, there needs to be one league. Um, I do firmly believe that the NHL would support one league, but they aren't willing um to pick a side and and i i get that because i don't think gary bettman wants to be seen as somebody who who picks a side and quashes um another league because he could be seen as the villain um so he's kind of told them you guys have to work it out come to an agreement and then we will help you and i know a lot of people don't like that the nhl's not helping but i don't really have an issue with bettman taking that stance because he's basically saying, until you get your house in order, we're not helping you. And like, sorry, but from a business perspective, that is the smart thing to do. Until the the people involved can agree on a common goal, there's no sense in getting outside help. Because if two people can't agree, what makes you think somebody with completely different business interests is going to be able to agree? And to ex- expect that the NHL is just going to give you a handout of money, um, I think is unrealistic. And frankly, ridiculous. Um, nobody in business does that. And so at least nobody in successful business. And so for me, uh, it's imperative that there are concessions made on both sides so that we can have one league and then you'll see NHL sponsorship um, and NHL involvement. But until then, um, I think it's good to see NHL players wearing um, gear, whether it's PHF jerseys or um, PWHPA uh hoodies, um, having these players involved at the All-Star game, um, marketing them using EA Sports, like having Sarah Nurse on the cover, I think is is fantastic. Um, having them sign brand deals. Like I think I think the women's game is actually doing a far better job of marketing its athletes than the NHL is. I'm not surprised to say that at all. <laughs> yeah. um, the bar is very, very low. Um, bar is underground. Yeah. But like I said, like I, I don't think it's feasible um, for the NHL to – to really step up and help um until the the people involved with both leagues can can kind of come together and say okay like this is our plan yeah might be the only uh good business decision gary bettman has made in the last few years <laughs> well he certainly hasn't made a good one with his new jerseys so oh, yeah and for those listening the fanatics deal news dropped this morning as we're the day we're recording this so yeah terrible idea it's basically a you know how like gap owns like banana republic but also owns old navy i didn't know that but yeah so it's like three levels so basically the nhl went from banana republic to like old navy in terms of quality and like just below old navy is aliexpress oh yeah you might as well just have gone with aliexpress at this point (laughs) NHL XGN like <laughs> honestly like it's just 
You're literally doing budget jerseys for a professional league. It's ridiculous. It's like like every other major Joke. league, like the NHL wants to be this part of like the big four and stuff like that. But MLS has Adidas still. MLS has Adidas still. Like that. Um, I also I don't, I don't be- have an MLS jersey near me. <laughs> I also think it would be pretty cool um, if they did it. The NHL approached it similar to how the Premier League approaches it. Which is let each team go out and get their own jersey, like uniform maker. Some can have Nike, some can have Adidas, some can have Puma. Like mm-hmm. some can have I don't know New Era. There are so many different ones, and then you not all the jerseys are going to look uniform because you have different manufacturers doing different things. They're going to want to be creative. They're going to want to try and outdo each other, and so I feel like you could have something there but then like you also have the issue of like who's gonna want like the, the teams that nobody cares about yeah like um, who's who's gonna like obviously toronto would get a better deal than like arizona would precisely of, all of the canadian teams would all of the canadian teams would get so vancouver would get a better deal than florida or, right seattle would probably get a better deal than san jose like yeah but, but at the end of the day, the amount of revenue you could bring in doing that, like, think about what a Montreal Canadiens, like, think of the original six teams. Mm-hmm. Think about what a jersey deal for those teams is worth. Now you tack on the rest of the Canadian teams, right? And this is mm-hmm. all in U.S. money. Okay, cool. Now tack on some of the other bigger market teams in the U.S. Like the New Yorks. Like, yeah, like, so Nashville is a pretty big market. St. Louis is a pretty big market, like, outside Tampa. of the original six. Uh, Tampa's a pretty big Jersey market, especially because you have a lot of, like, Canadian snowbirds that are down there. Um, Carolina? Carolina, not so much. Okay. Um, Dallas is becoming a hotbed. Yeah. So, like, if you did that, like, you could have, could potentially generate more money, first of all. But why would the NHL want to do that? Exactly. Why get more money when you can just be old men? Um. <laughs> um yeah and the women's game it's certainly an interesting area of it's a gray kind of period they're in like a bit of a no man's land right now because the nhl doesn't want to pick a side which is the good thing to do um well just think about the uproar that it would call let's say the nhl picks the phwpa mm -hmm. like the, the the right yeah, PWHPA. My God, I'm gonna screw this up a lot. <laughs> um, I'm done. I'm just gonna say like the tour as opposed to the league. Let's say they pick the tour, then everybody in the PHF is gonna be up in arms, and all the fans are gonna be like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. on the other side." Like it, it's a no-win situation for Gary Bettman. So rightfully, he's staying out of it. It's alien. You're alienating a group of people. Yeah, and just tell them to get their own house in order. Like, yeah, that's what every smart business does. Yeah, um, it is also, I don't want to say women's hockey is new because I've been pl- playing it for a while, right? Um, but also, women's hockey wasn't really recognized as an actual sport until quite recently. The uh, women's ice hockey was first included at the Olympics in 1998 um, when Cammie Granato won t- led Team USA undefeated into gold. Um, but... Yeah, 1998. That was four years before I was born. Like, that's not a very long time ago. Um, which I feel like a lot of people forget. 
first of all, God bless Cami Granado. I love her. Um, yeah, like it's not to say that it wasn't a sport, but they're like a lot of times, like you hear Cami talk about it, you hear Angela James talk about it, you hear Haley Wickenheiser talk about it. They had to play in boys' leagues. I had to play in a boys' league growing up too. Like that was tough. It wasn't until I was like fourteen, maybe thirteen, fourteen, that I I was able to play girls' hockey um, in any competitive sort of fashion. Um, and so it's not that the women's hockey wasn't a sport. It's just that people didn't really know that there was a demand for it, which is kind of dumb when mm-hmm. you think about it, because like as much as lacrosse is Canada's national sport, it's really hockey. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, you can say what you want, but it, it's hockey. That's what we're known for. Um, and so you look at it, the NHL, there's been a professional men's hockey league around for like 130 years almost. Um, there's not really been a professional women's league around for for anywhere close to that. And so, it, like, really, you're talking about collegiate hockey, and then where do these women play afterwards in order to stay in shape to to continue their careers after they play collegiate hockey? Um, so maybe the IOC just didn't really even see a need for it because so many athletes were just kind of like retiring um, and there wasn't sort of this opportunity the way that there is with other sports to, to see it through. Um, And now that there are leagues, like we're seeing the development of other nations, right? Finland's obviously come a long way. Um, Nella Lapusanova has been incredible. Like I cannot wait to watch her career. Um, She's making the boys look silly. And obviously (laughs) we love to see that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like I think it's going to be fantastic for the growth of the game, and and I mean we do need to get to a point where there is a sustainable league that isn't competing with each other. Because if you look at the history of the NHL, there was the NHL, and then there was the WHA, and eventually there was no more WHA, right? And so you just kind of have to understand that it might not t- it might not be as soon as everybody in 2023 wants it to be but it'll get there and if it doesn't it'll be the fault of the people running the leagues yeah like you can't blame the nhl here that's yeah. not how that works <laughs> no um and yeah like you said like it's going to happen it just might take a lot a bit longer like um i'm thinking of the example of the national women's soccer league with how uh that's just uh, based in the U.S., but then now there's a project going um, with the, I believe the Vancouver Whitecaps are involved with it as well. Uh, project and Toronto FC is Toronto well. FC is okay. Toronto FC um, uh, for Project Eight for bringing women's soccer to Canada, which is you know probably a good idea considering our captain for the team, Christine Sinclair, is still playing in Portland and. Yeah, like, I think it's, um, I don't like how we do soccer in North America. First of all, I don't even like that it's called soccer. Um, I don't <laughs> like that I have to call it soccer here to fit in with everybody else, because that's not what I've called it growing up. Um, if you look at how it's done around the world, there are national leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by that, like, if you look at it, there's a the Canadian Premier League. And... And that is really how things work, right? You look, you have the EPL, you have La Liga, you have the Bundesliga, you have League 1, you have um, the Scottish League. Like, 
that they, they run it by countries there. And so for me, like, instead of expanding the NWSL, make the NWSL the United States Women's Soccer League, mm-hmm. USWSL, whatever, right? Yeah. And then have a Canadian league, right? Mm-hmm. Have teams in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, um, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Halifax. Like, you can have eight teams. Um maybe put one in, in Moncton or whatever. Like there is a demand. I, I mean, I see what the numbers are for women's soccer in Canada. There is a demand. Um, and there are enough really good players that um, you could have a serious development program here. If you look at um, league one Ontario for men um, and, and what that's produced, that produced a guy like Alistair Johnston um, who's now playing in Scotland. Um, so if we have a league and now you have the CPL, which obviously there's a little bit of an issue there. Um, but if you have a league that's just dedicated to Canadian women, um, or it's dedicated to Canada and you allow other people to come and you build it up, like you could potentially have a really great league. And I don't think you need to lean on the U S for that. Um, to me, this amalgamation of, of teams is, is dumb like maybe in the nhl where like you have like 30 teams and you're not you don't have 30 canadian cities that you're gonna have a league in but when you're starting a women's soccer league like if you have eight teams like you're fine Mm -hmm. yeah um i i am curiously watching i believe they're starting within the next few years or like they're trying to get it off the ground by like 2025 i think which yeah yeah which seems closer is closer than it seems (laughs) um yeah it'll be well this is about hockey but it'll be um i liked what you said about how uh these leagues should be national because if you think about it there is already a a lot of influence from the united states and stuff like that on canada in like cultural industries and like media politics. and all that politics already too um there's already so much influence we haven't won a cup in 30 years um which is honestly i think that argument is so stupid um oh like canada hasn't won a cup in 30 years no 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 no. a canadian team hasn't won a cup in 30 years but if yes. you haven't noticed most of the teams that have won the Stanley Cup, half of their rosters are Canadian. Yeah. So whether you like it or not, (laughs) you're not winning a cup without Canadians. So I don't know. That that whole argument to me is beyond stupid. Like literally like USA hockey's better. Like, no. Like, like, is Kale McCarr from Ohio? No. Is Nathan McKinnon from Wyoming? No. When was the last time you won a gold medal in the Olympics? Thanks for coming. Exactly. When was the last exactly. time your player, a player from your country, was deemed to be the best player on earth? Thanks for coming. And it, it's going to continue because we're going to yeah. go from Crosby to McDavid to Bedard. I was, I, I completely blanked on Crosby. I was like, who is between McDavid and Gretzky? Not <laughs> Lemieux or oh Lemieux, like, yeah. Like there have been decades, <laughs> decades. Not even close. Canadian ridiculous, but this is dumb. And then, like, your greatest player is Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, he probably doesn't even Patrick Kane. And and I, like, growing up, 
<clears throat> I loved Patrick Kane growing up because um, mm-hmm. we were kind of right. Like I was growing up as he was kind of breaking into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, if you were to name the top five Canadian hockey players of all time, probably even top 10, like Patrick Kane probably doesn't even crack that list. Right. Like, is he better than Gretzky? No. no. Is he better than Lemieux? No. Is he better than McDavid? No. Better than Crosby? Nope. Is he better than Orr? Nope. Better than Howe? Nope. Is he going to be better than Bedard? Bedard's going to be better than him. Is he better than, like, McKinnon, McCarr? Like, it's... That's pretty it's tough. Hard. Yeah. That's pretty it's tough. Hard. And then, yeah. I don't know. West is coming though. Like they're, they're, they've got Matthews, they've got Eichel, they got the Hughes brothers. Like that's fine. But oh, I think yeah. it's so funny because the Hughes brothers literally grew up in Toronto. So yeah. Yeah. Literally. I'm like, hey. my brother played against one of them. Oh <laughs> yeah. For years. Yeah. So like technically they should credit us for that, but whatever, whatever. Uh, I'll move on. Um, so yeah, women's ice hockey ways to go. Um, just wanted to touch a little bit about how it is existing in a hockey sphere through social media as well as media in general um you have written for uh the hockey news um which you know is very good you should definitely check it out um uh but yeah so what's kind of your experiences on social media and existing as a as a woman in the hockey media sphere are we allowed to swear Yep. Um, do you want me to read you some of the replies that I get and some of the DMs that I got? Like, sure. Let's they're go. They're absolutely horrendous. Let's go. Um, let's, let's air them out. Air them out. I will say this. There are subsections of Twitter that are, are really great, and I find them to be actually somewhat productive. And then there are, for the major- majority of Twitter, it is genuinely horrendous. Um, I don't think Twitter is based in reality. Like, Twitter is usually a bunch of, like, to me, if you're an anonymous account, I have zero time for you. Like, zero. Mm -hmm. Because you don't even, you're not even going to be willing to put your name on it, and you're going to come and insult me. Like, sorry, but your opinion means absolutely nothing. um, Because, like, you, it's straight up not valid. Um, Okay, let's just read some of this. Let's see. 100% 100% it's because she fucked a player. Solid. Oh my god. Um, now we're going to go to some DMs and have some fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just honestly, it's it's really, I would say, like, it's it's really tough. Um, like, so, who has bigger boobs, Emily or Rachel? Um... I think that women should fight naked online. Um, oh, here we go. Here's a DM I got. You dumb bitch, go do something with your life instead of whining. Have have you ever have you been a spoiled little brat your entire life? I wouldn't be surprised. Go somewhere else. And then there is a slur there. Oh. Um Yep. So that's good. Um you're setting women in hockey back by 20 years. Hope you're proud of yourself. Um, I also got multiple DMs threatening to sexually assault me. Um, so, oh, and then on TikTok, we have 
we should get dinner and discuss this, which is wild. Um, we also have, do you sell jarred farts? No. 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 Yeah. So, no. does that answer your question about um, what it's like to be a woman on hockey Twitter and hockey TikTok? Yeah. It's so much worse. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I I'm still like building a semi platform, so like I haven't reached all that level of degeneracy yet, but I feel like I'm getting there. So. I it's gotten to the point, honestly, Kaya, it's gotten to the point where um there have been people that have sought out my parents and siblings on social media platforms and DM'd them things about me. What the f- Fuck. Yep. Oh, there's also, and this is probably my favorite one. When I got hired by Vancouver, there was a prominent TikToker, like prominent, we're talking over 50,000 followers, who went to my Instagram, screenshotted pictures of me, and made a TikTok being like, look at who the Canucks just hired. And the song was like, I think I'm about to simp. And then she's like, she's got a fat ass. She's got this. She's got that. And it's literally just like pictures of me. And like all the captions are basically like, I want to fuck her. I want to rail her. Uh, all this stuff. It was so bad. I didn't have TikTok at the time. My sister found it. No. And she was mortified. Holy yeah. shit. This guy made a whole TikTok about me. And, like, talking about how, basically, like, sexualizing me. And then he DM'd me on Instagram and was like, I didn't mean to sexualize you. And I was like, then what were you doing of your video? (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, like, what were you doing? What? I just wanted to show people how hot you are. I was like, exactly. Brain cells. No brain cells. I am, wow. I am sorry that happened. Jesus. I'm I'm actually, I'm going to DM you the video after we record this. It is going to genuinely blow your mind okay okay I it will... is absolutely wild okay <laughs> jesus christ um so that's what it's like to be a woman on twitter specifically yeah. on hockey twitter where like i literally had somebody like last week be like what are your qualifications to comment on hockey and i was like <laughs> what what like like you always have to prove yourself but then, like, some faceless account that's, like, some dude is on there, like, yelling random things. People are like, see, look, he's right. I'm like, okay, Bobby Sunglasses Selfie, sure. Okay, name it a bunch of numbers. You're right. <laughs> Bobby Bunch of Numbers. Bobby Bunch of Numbers, yeah. It's, it's definitely another, considering how male-dominated hockey is, so is the fan base it seems sometimes so there are are, there are some there's some areas that are are decent um but there's some that make me want to punch a screen sometimes so yeah like i would say like um the sdpn is is a great um sort of group of people because i feel like um steve and adam and jesse do a great job of making sure that it's well known that this is an inclusive space and this is a space where people are kind to each other and it's a space to share ideas and, and all, all things of that nature. And I, I commend them for that because there aren't a lot of spaces out there for, for newer hockey fans that are super welcoming. And, and so for me, um, 
like I have to deal with a bunch of stuff online because people are dumb and mean and cowards quite honestly um but then i see things like the sdpn and it, and it gives me hope um for the future um because the there is nobody in the sdpn kind of group that is your typical like sunglasses selfie in a car dude on twitter like they're just mm-hmm. not welcome yeah. in our space and i think we need to do a better draw hockey fans as a whole of saying like if you are going to be racist homophobic misogynist um any of that like you're just not welcome here but the nhl is like no come on in come on in dudes walk, walk on in walk on like you can be afraid of right of you can be afraid of rainbows and, then- and pucks but you're not afraid of point 0.900 save percentages anyway um- and also like i i love that it's like oh we um we're trying to make other people feel included in our sport by doing these things. Well, how come I don't feel included? And I'm like, Jesus. It's not about you. That's not about you because like, it's a choice. It's a choice to be a Christian. White man have never been marginalized ever, Mm -hmm. ever. So this is not about you. It's not about you. So just, just sit in the corner, Mm -hmm. take a breath. Your world is a safe space (laughs) yes so just cool it yeah cool it yeah it's like they're trying they claim that so many people are just like oh you're just trying to be more oppressed blah 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 and i'm like well you're also complaining that you're oppressed all the time so find me somebody that's more oppressed than a black trans person like i need to sit down with some of these sunglass selfie people and be like, I would like to know how you are more oppressed than a black trans woman. Please tell me, what rights are you being infringed upon that these people have? I would I have to know. Oh yeah, but they're trying to they're trying to make me take the vaccine and that's against my 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 rights to my body. Oh, but you're anti-abortion? Like <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're pro-life, but also pro-death penalty is my favorite argument. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that is the best one. This world is a wild place. <laughs> this is a wild place. You and I have gone so off the rails. It's so fun. Yeah, this is like, it's... <laughs> is, this, is this hockey or is it uh, American politics? Who know? But, but hockey is a... What I find is hockey is um, probably the best representation of where we are as a society right now. And that is not a good thing. No, okay? no, 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 it is not. Like, I, when I say hockey is the best representation of where we are as a society, I'm not talking about the whole, like, we're having fun and skills and meh, and, and like, it's fast paced. and everything. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's that... We're not inclusive. We're not welcoming to people. Um, we don't like to push the envelope. We're expected to fall in line. You're not really allowed to have a personality. Like all that stuff is just great. We're falling into a new era of the silent generation in hockey. Like the silent generation, like pre-baby boomer of, you know, always following like the status quo and stuff like that kind of following yeah, falling into that era of and what's crazy is, is like it's actually very similar to politics in that like a bunch of gms are basically like octo or septuagenarians 
Like, oh, think yeah. of all of the GMs. <laughs> like, with the exception of, like, Kyle Dubas and Julian Breezeball. Like, they're all, like, 80. Or, like, in their mid-70s, whatever. Right? And, okay, look at Congress. These people are, like, half dead. <laughs> like, it's it's actually insane. Remember when Mitch? everyone thought Mitch McConnell died? Oh my god. Like a couple weeks ago. Yes. I just I just remember just seeing Mitch McConnell trying to go like, oh, what did he say now? And he's like dead. But it's like both sides. I'm like, Nancy Pelosi is literally as old as my grandmother, who sits and watches like the Decades Network every day. Oh my gosh. And and then we have like Joe Biden, who is <laughs> Joe so Biden. Old. Then we have I'm not even then we have the other guy. And he's basically lord voldemort at this point um the guy that's getting arrested today uh yes um but also like then you look at like new zealand and when like jacinda ardern was their prime minister like look how forward thinking they were and it was because they had somebody that was somewhat representative of the age of their population yes right and so i think when you look at hockey as a whole look at the phf and look at um the pwhpa there aren't a bunch of old white haired people running the show there. It's young people who are able to relate and level and understand how to market to their target audience. The NHL does not need to market to a 55 year old white man. He's going to be a hockey fan no matter what. You need to market to the younger kids, which is why the next generation games are so important. Yes, you need to yes. market to the LGBTQ plus community because that's a subsection of fans that currently don't feel welcome and need to because guess what? They're going to buy things. It's important. Yeah. You need to market to people of color. You need to at minimum make it more inclusive for them because you're literally like, I don't know what business practice told you that we should only uh, target white people, but it's a bad, bad business practice. Don't do it. It's like they're trying to pick a side and like what the political sphere of the world is right now but you're limiting yourself because they're eventually going to hate you for whatever you do anyway even if you exactly so yeah it's a wonderful world (laughs) um we kind of touched on it just a bit then but i wanted to kind of wrap up with what improvements um well for marketing the women's game you already kind of mentioned like it's not run by old men (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. Also, including women in the NHL. Um, what improvements are there? And also getting women to be fans of the sport. Like, Women's Empowerment Night is a thing by some of the teams in the league, but I know the Rangers did it a couple of days ago. They just had, like, their logo with, like, some shadows around it, and there was, like, purple or something, and they, like, just tweeted at, with, like, the practice jerseys. It's, like, celebrating Women's Empower Night at the Garden, and that was, like, all they said about it. And I was just like, okay, it's weird. <laughs> um. Okay, so first of all, like, I get why you're having these nights, but you wouldn't have to have them if the people felt empowered in the first place or felt welcome. Yes. And so for me... Um, I look at it and I'm like, number one, okay, so like I'm a woman and I have, because I, I grew up as an athlete, I I have a little bit more of a stocky build than your average woman. Like my mom is very petite, right? My sister is like a size negative two, (laughs) like literally the thinnest thing you've ever seen. Right. And if they want NHL merchandise, 
there's not really NHL merchandise available to them. Like there isn't a good selection. And like, I just for funsies had my sister try on my NHL jersey and it went to her knees. Like that is not your women aren't going to buy NHL fan gear if there isn't something for them. So if you look at what the NFL has done with women's fan gear, um, the Aaron Andrews stuff is absolutely fantastic. Um, my God, you have fanatics. Like if fanatics can manufacture women's gear for the NFL, they can manufacture women's gear for the NHL. This is not hard. It is a, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I look at it and you have to give women something so that they feel a part of it. Because if you go to a game and um, let's say your partner, like, let's say you're going with your boyfriend and they have um, apparel, whether it's like a hoodie or, or whatever, um, and you don't like you feel different. I'll be honest with you. When I worked for New Jersey and in Vancouver, they didn't have women's apparel for us. So like when I was getting all of like my coaching staff here, I didn't get half of it because there was no women's stuff and the men's stuff was too big for me. Oh my so gosh. like I just didn't they just didn't have anything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I am a staff member. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? And so you're just not making it like by that, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, well, I'm not really meant to be here then. Like, it's it's one of those things where you don't realize it makes women feel excluded, but it does. In the same way that, like, you're telling me that if you offered pride hats, like, um, you know the dad hats? Yeah. Okay, if you, if you made dad hats, but the logo was, like, the pride colors, you're telling me people wouldn't buy those? Exactly. Like, I know so many people who would buy them. I would buy one just to show support um, or t-shirts like a hockey puck. What am I going to do? Bring a hockey puck with me to the game and like wave it around. Like, wee-wee. yeah, no, no. Like, you're like, you want, you need apparel in order to, I want, I'm not saying you need to make pride jerseys available because like those are expensive and maybe might not be accessible to everybody because they might not be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. But a $34 and 99 cent hat like, I'm sure people would be interested in that. A t-shirt, um, a tank top, like, things of that nature, that would make people feel welcome. Instead of saying we skate for Black Lives, it is actually not difficult to just say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Like, it's really not hard. Um, and and amplifying the voices of players like P.K. Subban, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Keandre Miller, like, and at within the same token, punishing people for racist acts. Like, I'm sorry, but if you utter a slur, you're suspended. Like, that's the end of that, right? Like, spitting should not be a longer suspension than slurring. Mm-hmm. Like, it just shouldn't, right? We need to send a message that those types of behaviors are not welcome here because it excludes other people. And if you do that, then you'll make other people feel welcome, whether it's by the way um, that you show people that you care, um, by making apparel available, by um, having more women's bathrooms. Like, (laughs) I mean, there are like two women's bathrooms to every, or uh, two men's bathrooms to every one women's bathroom in like some facilities. Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not accessible, especially because like women generally take longer to go to the bathroom because we can't just stand at a urinal. Yeah. 
right so it's yeah. just like from that perspective like i don't want to go wait in line um and so that's inaccessible um to a degree we also need to do a much better job with um people with disabilities like that community um things like properly using alt text on communications um not using weird fonts on social media so that yep. people who can't use them um being careful of the language that we use um involving these people in your campaign so that you don't send something out only to have it pointed out that it like directly goes against what that community wants like there are just involve people like brock mcgillis is right there you can involve him renee hess is right there you can involve her chanel keenan is right there you can involve her those three people cover all three of the things that i just mentioned and they would go a long way in the NHL's messaging, marketing, making it more inclusive, accessible. Like, instead of having Josh Richards be your consultant of, like, being a loser, basically, have these three who will actually help you advance the game. That's what I would do. All right. Well, th- thank you for your suggestions for the NHL. Um, they're gonna do none of those. By they're now. gonna do, yeah. They're not gonna do it. They're gonna, they're gonna make. Um, oh, instead of, uh, we're adding on to the digital boards, and we're gonna put them on the glass panels now. Like, yeah. And Tony D'Angelo is in charge of inclusivity. Oh my god, Tony D'Angelo! <laughs> did you hear he wants to be like a, a GM one day? Bye. Yeah, no. he wants he wants to like run a team or something like that, and I'm like the proud boys like the only team you should be running is the prison team bro like <laughs> yeah like go you can like go we, coach we we, we know else. where you were in on january 6th tony <laughs> anyway we don't know but like would we be surprised also we surpri- no. oh yeah but that's like i have a mental list anyway <laughs> I have a Kai is taking names, everyone. Taking names, taking names, knowing faces. Who who was uh, just scouring the videos? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh thank you we for We need joining. more Brayden Holpies and yes. more um Travis Dermott, who wears pride tape every day. Yes. And every game. Yes. That's what we need more of that and less of Ivan Provorov and Tony D'Angelo. We need less of that. And and less of whatever's left of James Reimer's hairline. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Bad. Thank you, Rachel, for joining me. Um, it's been really fun discussing the world of, of what it's like being a woman. Love to be womans. Love to be whammon. All right. Thank you for joining me. Now for your fun fact of the day, women's ice hockey quickly gained popularity on the heels of the 1998 Olympics. While many colleges and universities offered women's ice hockey before, the attention focused on the sport gradually picked up pace, and finally, in 2000, it officially became a sanctioned championship NCAA sport. The inaugural Women's Frozen Four tournament took place in March of 2001, a tournament that has continued for years following, including the recently concluded 2023 tournament, with the Wisconsin Badgers defeating the Ohio State Buckeyes 1-0 to win the championship. 
Thank you, Rachel, for joining me, and thank you for listening to this show. You can find me personally on Twitter at RealKayaMa and the show at GTGPod. Hope you enjoyed. Stay safe and see you again in two weeks. Bye, everybody.